Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome back on this Friday, this last Friday, last day of, of this January month. Time flies by. Uh, you know, as you can see from the title of today's podcast, uh, we're, we're talking the coronavirus again today. And I know, I know, it's, you know, this has been basically what my channel has been, coronavirus central for like a week now. And and, and really, I think there's two facets to that for, for why that's the case. I mean, first of all, I mean, this is as far as markets and as far as economic news, precious metals, this is what's driving things right now. And it will for, a, I think, a while. And, and yeah, I mean, if this plateaus, maybe in terms of, of importance, I'll, you know, talk about other stuff. But, I mean, I find it hard to when when it is as important as it is. I mean, we're, we're always talking on the precious metals side of thing or economic financial side of things, you know, what is going to be the black swan? What is it going to be that brings down the global economy or whatever? What is it going to be that requires the Fed and other central banks to to uh, inject a crazy new round of stimulus, crazier than the last round? And I mean, right now in January of 2020, it's it's the coronavirus, the 2019 NCOP, 2019 novel coronavirus. That's one side of it. And the other side of it is, hey, this is my podcast. It interests me. It's something I like to talk about, right? So if you don't want to hear about it, that's fine. And, and you can come back when we talk precious metals and whatever. But, you know, if you're here for, for coronavirus news and as well as economics and, and markets and stuff, yeah, this is all kind of wrapped together in what we're talking about today. So here we are on Friday. I'm recording this before the, the big data dump that usually occurs early morning on in China. So you know, late afternoon, early evening here in the United States. As of right now, we're we're essentially at a thousand confirmed, sorry, ten thousand confirmed cases, pretty close to that. Uh, now it's a, again confirmed cases. Unofficially, you know, we're seeing a hundred thousand individuals in China under observation. Uh, you know, some experts have estimated that the true number of infections are. Uh, the number of that zero hedge throughout was like 76,000. You know, I saw people, you know, last weekend talking about 100,000. So so certainly 10,000 is low. And, and I'll share a little more thoughts on that in a minute. Uh, and, and it continues to spread. We, we see the first confirmed cases in the UK. Uh, kind of the numbers slowly but surely ticking up for some of these regional countries nearby China, uh, Thailand, Japan, South Korea. Uh, the United States reported another case yesterday. We're up to six confirmed cases. Uh, Australia has some. Germany, Russia, uh, India. India, actually, you know, I saw this stat over again on Zero Hedge. Really interesting. Something like a thousand cases, suspected cases under observation. That's a lot. And, and that's something I've kind of been, you know, India... In terms of, of population density, in terms of, of lack of healthcare infrastructure, income, and all that, I mean, I I don't want to just overgeneralize, but but pretty similar picture to a lot of these other countries that have been reporting a fair number of cases in Southeast Asia, uh, Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia, Vietnam, uh, Indonesia, you know, off you know the islands. Uh, 
the Philippines. You know, all very densely populated areas, some of these cities. Relatively poor, I think, even compared to China and their healthcare infrastructure and whatnot, and, and certainly compared to the U.S. And, and, and European countries and whatnot. And and I've been saying for a while now that, you know, when these, you know, when this bug really sneaks its way into these countries and, and starts brewing, especially under the surface, things could get bad in some of these cities. And, and a thousand confirmed or, or suspected cases under observation in India, that's not surprising, but it's a lot. It's a lot, depending on how many of those are actually confirmed. Uh, so, so this continues to grow. You know, we're coming up on 10,000 confirmed cases in China. And, and, you know, the real difference over time, you know, when we're talking about these confirmed cases of stat out of China, is that a week ago, you know, I could say that about 95, 90% of these cases were in the Hubei province of China, and probably 90% of those were in the city of Wuhan, which is where this really started, right? You know, the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan coronavirus, whatever. You know, as, as an interesting aside, I mean, I think for those that have been paying attention to it, including me, you know, this is an interesting uh, an exercise in Chinese geography. I mean, hey, I didn't know Wuhan was really a, a town. I, had to, I didn't know it was significant, you know, prior to all this outbreak. You know, I, I'm kind of the classic American sometimes when it comes to these countries, especially Chinese geography. There's just so many large cities and, and you know, it's, it's easy to kind of just focus on the big ones. Uh, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Guangzhou, whatever else. And of course, the Chinese, but not really Chinese cities, actually, you know, Hong Kong, Macau, Taipei, you know. Uh, but yeah, Wuhan, over 10 million people, you know, so it's a huge city where it started. But so what's really interesting is we're at 10,000 cases and they confirm, or, you know, around 10,000. I think officially, as I record, it's not quite there yet, but, but for all intents and purposes, it will be very soon. Uh, What's interesting is, is you're continuing to see those cases tick up in Wuhan, but you're also really seeing them ramp up in some of these other cities. Not in the thousands yet, these other cities and other provinces, but we're in the double digits or the hundreds in a lot of these cities. And again, massive cities and whatnot. But what's interesting, what that tells me is that this is really spreading. And, and you can, I think, give a little bit more legitimacy to those numbers in those other cities and provinces than you can to Wuhan. Because I think Wuhan's just been totally overwhelmed, totally shut down, quarantined, shocked by the, the sheer scale of this outbreak in that city. And and so you see these numbers tick up pretty regularly in Wuhan, but you know that is nowhere near accurate because there's so many people that are, are sitting in their apartments dead or they don't want to go in or you know they just don't have the infrastructure to test thousands, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands maybe now, for this coronavirus. Whereas these other cities are maybe still able to handle that. They didn't, you know, have the high number of cases early on. And so that's what's really interesting to me is to see the the percentage of cases shift from mostly like 90, 95% Wuhan to, you know, 60, 70% officially. You know, I'm sure unofficially the number is still very high. But, but I think, you know, we... I, we can give a little bit more credence to those numbers outside of the city of Wuhan because I think they've just been so overwhelmed. Even if we're going to say that Chinese officials have been 100% spot on in their reporting, no dishonesty, no lack of integrity, spot on, they're doing the best they can, which I think is doubtful. Let's even, even if we do say that, well, you know, there's still limitations on, on what a healthcare system that's shocked by an event like this can, can actually do. 
And so that's what's really interesting to me is, is seeing these other provinces, these other cities take up into the hundreds and soon to be thousands of confirmed cases. That's really significant to me. That's showing me that this is really spreading pretty widely. And the same is true for for other countries around the world. You know, seeing these numbers tick up in, in Thailand or, uh, you know, Myanmar, Cambodia, Vietnam, Japan, you know, that's, that's a, you know, especially Japan, which is, I would consider to be a little bit more of an advanced economy, but also a healthcare system than some of those other countries. That tells me that this is, you know, that's, that's a little bit more accurate. But even Japan, I think, is, I'm sure, still missing cases. You, you're going to, with the nature of this disease and how similar it is in some symptoms and whatnot to influenza, you know, seasonal flu or, or various other bugs, uh, you're, you're going to miss some cases. People, I just don't go in because it's not severe enough. And as far as they know, they've had no exposure to somebody from China or from, from Wuhan or something, you know. Uh, and, and, and of course, once you get into some of the poorer countries and, and these densely populated cities with huge amounts of a very low-income individuals uh, in, in places like India and whatnot, you're going to have even more difficulty getting a sense of the true scale of this outbreak in those places, right? Um, but, you know, as this, you know, let's, let's say this continues to spread and, and can, continues to, to spread on its own, human-to-human transmission outside of, of uh, China and, and in places, especially more advanced places like Japan, and that's not me being racist. I'm just saying healthcare and, and their economy is more advanced. Um, Japan, the United States and whatnot. I think we'll get a truer sense, you know, once that case count really builds to the point where we can use it as a, a reliable you know, statistical number, we'll get a truer sense of, of what's really going on here in terms of case fatality rate, uh, in terms of, of the, the percentage of individuals that need hospitalization, like needs it, not just because they've been infected with this novel, really you know, concerning virus, but because they actually need uh, healthcare support. I mean, that's the real big, I think, misconception about this illness, which is a viral illness, right? People kind of think, you know, well, it's a, it's a viral illness. You can't do anything for it. We don't have antiviral drugs. Well, that may be true. Now, I mean, doctors are saying, you know, there's certain flu, uh, not flu, uh, there are certain drugs. And for the flu, I mean, there's a Tamiflu. But for this one, they're trying some different drugs on it to see if they're effective. Uh, but, you know, if things get bad enough in terms of pneumonia and whatnot, even if there's not an antiviral drug, you can still save people's lives with something as simple as saline solution, you know, an IV drip, uh, uh, um, ventilators, you know, if things get bad enough, supplemental oxygen, I'm just talking, you know, a, a nasal cannula, you know, oxygen through the nose, uh, or, hey, you know, another, and I think common complication I'm sure with this is uh, bacterial pneumonia, right? You have this viral pneumonia and it makes a really good environment for, for a bacterial pneumonia. And that's something that can be treated obviously with antibiotics, right? And so as you see it spread into these countries that we can have maybe a little bit more faith in, I'm not saying like, let's buy into everything the CDC and the WHO says. I mean, they've been really, I think, negligent in a lot of this, especially the WHO, World Health Organization. But I think we can put a little bit more stock, at least early on, into what some of these other countries are saying, the ones with more developed healthcare systems, in terms of, of you know, the, the true nature of this disease and what the real case fatality ratio is. You know, you see in, in, in China, you know, these more and more reports of people uh, being sent straight to the, the crematorium 
right? To, to disguise the true number of deaths. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, that's what you get. That's what you get with a totalitarian government. Never mind just the communist nature of it, the totalitarianism of China. That's what you get is you get dishonesty, you get poor information. I mean, there's all this praise for how good China's been doing. And, and, and I'll give them credit for uh, uh, two things. You know, some of their scientists have been decent on publishing information. Okay, great. And they, hey, I'll admit, have pulled out all the stops. Not all the stops, but a lot of the stops, I guess, if that's even a, a phrase. In terms of quarantines and, and limiting travel, now, now, they could do a lot more. I mean, look at the, the radar right now over China. There's a ton of domestic and international flights still going on. But, you know, they, they've done a fair bit, which is undoubtedly going to seriously hurt their their economy and whatnot, but but they realized, I think, early on how serious this was. But I think when it's all said and done, I mean, the WHO and the CDC, maybe they'll just, you know, throw their uh, uh, full weight behind the Chinese government and, and, and back them the whole way, even ways on the line when people realize, like, hey, China lied about this NCOV in, uh, uh, pandemic, just like they lied about the SARS one and the true scope of it. Um but, but that's ultimately what's going to come out. And, and so, I mean, it's, it's really frustrating and, and, and uh, to, to see them being, you know, congratulated or, or, or a pat on the back or whatever you call it for, you know, good you know, job well done. Well, yeah, they've thrown a ton of quarantines in place. They've built some hospitals. But it doesn't change the fact that the totalitarian nature of their uh, system and their top-down uh, governance of their system... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply has, I think, really created a huge uh, mismanagement of the true data. I mean, what good is that data coming out from these you know, scientists and whatnot on this, which sometimes are important in terms of sim- symptomology and, and all the other aspects of it? What good is it, though, if, if you're not getting a true sense of things like are not and then the true number of cases, the true fatality ratio and whatnot? It's, it's just very opaque, and that's incredibly frustrating to deal with, I imagine. And, and unfortunately, the WHO, the CDC, um, and a lot of these other organizations would, would not dare to question the Chinese government at this point. Uh, I, I imagine it will be more so people like you and I, um, some experts out there doubting that. And then, you know, we'll get more investigative reporting down the line. And, and, and then the CDC or whatever will say, hey, you know, why do you do this, China? But, but they'll act as though they, they are surprised by it. We shouldn't be surprised at all. Not to say that, that the similar opaqueness would not at all be possible in the United States. It very well could be. Or Japan. Or Southeast Asian countries. Or, or Europe. Or whatever. Yeah. But, but anyways. Continues to spread. And, you know, we're seeing the... And now again, I mean... What, what I would like to see... And I'm not... I don't know. I don't have the time to compile the data in this way. But what I would like to see... So, so we're seeing the the rate of confirmed cases climb. 
And for a day there, the, the rate slowed down a bit. But now we're really back on pace for what we'd call a bit of an exponential rise. Now, it's not probably at this point a perfect exponential, like a logarithmic increase where, you know, it's it's to the power of whatever, 2 or 1.5 or whatever, you know, in terms of the new number of cases increasing versus the new number of cases the day prior. What, what I mean by this, I'm just, I'm just babbling here at this point. Um, one day there's 500 cases. Next day, 500 cases. Next day, 500 new cases. That's a linear increase, right? And, and if it, we're just talking 500 new cases a day, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that sounds like a lot, but I mean, you go 100 days and you're only at, what, somebody do the math, 50,000 cases, which is a lot, but, you know, compared to the size of China, pretty, pretty minuscule. But with a logarithmic or an exponential increase, we're talking about each day being more than the day prior. It doesn't have to be double the day prior. I mean, it all depends on the R-naught of, of this disease and how that fluctuates over time based on um, different precautions and, and policies put in place by governments and, and by individuals and whatnot. Uh, but, but I'm talking about 500 one day, the next day, 700. And then 900. And, you know, or, or 1,000. And then 1,500. And then 2100 and you know that's sort of an exponential increase where it's it's not only rising more each day than it did the day prior but but even the difference between the two is increasing so it's not 500 700 900 1100 i mean that's basic uh that's there's there's not quite logarithmic growth with that i mean there's there's some element of that but i mean we're talking something like 500 700 1000 1400 19 I mean this is all just mathematics and I mean but anyway so the point of what I'm saying here is is we're seeing that increase again and, and there's a bit of a drop and it's kind of picked up again but but anyways from a statistics point of view what I would like to see is two sets of data Chinese cases excluding Wuhan or the Hubei province I think you get a better sense of the stati- statistics then because again as I said at the beginning, you know, I mean, Wuhan's just been, I think, totally overwhelmed. Even if they are hiding some data, even if they weren't hiding data, it's totally overwhelmed. And they'd, they'd be a poor, uh, we'd be getting pretty poor statistics out of there. So China excluding Wuhan, and then total cases excluding China. I think that would be really interesting to see, and see the exponential growth in that. I think you get a truer sense of, of the growth potential of this uh and and i think maybe a truer sense of, of just how bad this is but but you know i i mean china is it's it's frustrating i mean it's you have the language you have the culture barrier here in the united states but but you also just have the barrier of of the opaqueness of the government and, and it's dysfunctional governments totalitarian governments i mean what do they do they they do totalitarian totalitarian stuff right so i mean it's it is what it is, I guess. Like I said, we'll have to wait for this to move to a country that is maybe going to give us better data. Uh, a, a major outbreak in a European or or you know, South Korea, Japan, U.S., Australia, something along those lines, where we get a better sense for it. Um, because even, you know, we, we see these official numbers in, in all these different cities in China. These are still massive cities. I'm sure it won't be long before some of these healthcare systems are overwhelmed, just as Tokyo's could be overwhelmed or or New York City or whatever. Uh, but, but you know, you also wonder how many cases are going unreported in some of these villages. I mean, 
there's this this story that's been well publicized out of Wuhan about their mayor. This was several days ago now, admitting that before this quarantine, before these roadblocks and stuff were put in place, some people managed to escape. A couple people. I think the number he put out there was five million. Five million people leaving the city. What was it before? Eleven million officially, you know, and so maybe it was higher, sixteen. 15, 14, whatever million. And a lot of these were like migrant workers, either from other cities or from, you know, the, the countryside. I mean, that's the term used, you know, smaller towns, villages and whatnot. So how many of these people return to their home city, hometown? And hey, guess what? They're asymptomatic. No worries. I mean, their family welcomes them in. And well, lo and behold, this 2019 NCOV is transmissible while asymptomatic. Or hey, guess what? The incubation period is can, can be as high as like two weeks, right? Some of these people could be leaving. They could have left before this quarantine was put in place, like what, a week ago now or whatever. They could still be asymptomatic. And they could have been exposed before they left, technically speaking. Now, the vast majority are going to you know fall into, you know, it's a bell curve, I'm sure, in terms of when symptoms, you know, the onset of symptoms, probably around like five days or four days or seven days or something along those lines. But, you know, there's always that possibility. And, hey, we're talking about some really big numbers when we're talking statistics. And what are the odds? You know, let's say 20,000 were infected when this happened, you know, this, this quarantine happened and this huge great escape of 5 million people happened. Statistically speaking, a lot of those people are going to be infected. So they're going to carry it to, well, around the globe. They're going to carry it to other Chinese cities, the big ones. They're going to carry it to the countryside too, and those villages are—it's going to be brewing, and it's not going to be accounted for in, in the national database or, or in whatever, you know. So it's, yeah. I mean, we could talk about this all day. I mean, I guess there's news about a vaccine. Um, various organizations talking about a vaccine for for this coronavirus. Unfortunately, it's going to take a long time. You know, the, the number they put on it was a year. Now, in all reality. We know that if things get really bad, it can probably be bumped up. We can require fewer tests, um, uh, trials, he, uh, you know, animal and human trials and whatnot. And you know, I mean, if push comes to shove, uh, I'm not saying vaccines are totally safe. I'm not jumping into that argument, but I'm just saying, you know, they can come faster. But you know, still. We're talking a couple months' time. We're still talking about a ton of time for this to spread. Um, so that's, you know, that is what it is. You know, the other thing that I noticed, so so interesting story is, you know, back in the day, this was my freshman year of college. Bit of a story time here. Freshman year of college. Probably the summer before freshman year even. You know, I had a grad party after high school and all. You know, this is whatever. So, so that's some money left over. And for whatever reason, I was like, Hey, I'll just, uh, you know, invest this in the stock market. And, and there were two stocks, whatever. I mean, I'm so naive this, you know, back then, I am sure I still have plenty of shortcomings today, but back then I knew nothing about any of this stuff. I just, you know, but, uh, yeah. So I so well, you know, throw it in the stock market, which ones do I like? And of course, you know, uh, the classic millennial, you know, I'm going to buy Apple because I have an iPhone. Well, I had a Galaxy phone, S3. One of the best Galaxy phones as far as I, I haven't had one yet, actually, since then. But it was great for its time. 2013, we're talking. I'm dating myself there. But uh, so on the younger side than 
some people expect. But but anyways, I digress. This whole thing's this whole episode is basically a digression. But 2013. So who's a chip manufacturer for it? Qualcomm. So that was one of the stocks that I bought, and and it. I never really ended up, I ended up taking this money out later in 2013 to help pay for my wedding in early 2014. I got married young. Um, Christmas break of freshman year. But anyways, digressions left and right. The other stock back then that I found out about was this one called Nanovirusides. NNVC. That was the symbol. Started following this back in 2013. I don't know how I stumbled across it. I don't know how, but it's a biotech company slash pharmaceutical. So the idea behind this was that they could create nanotechnology particles. I don't think nanobots are the right term, but nanoparticles or whatever that could act as an antiviral agent. And it was an interesting stock. It was a extremely, gosh, back then I probably made a podcast or video about it back then. Very speculative stock. It's probably not up on YouTube. It might be, I don't know. Because I know I took down all these, but but then somebody reposted a lot of my videos way back in the day. But anyways, uh, and so this was a stock I was interested in for a long time. And, and eventually I realized something that it was a, I don't want to say it was a scam, but they were stringing along investors for years. I came in in 2013, but they'd already been doing it for a couple of years. You know, new rounds of, of uh, to raise funding and whatnot. And they had all these drugs in the pipeline to cure uh, shingles to cure, you know, name a virus and they had things that they were working on to cure it. Um, as, as usually, you know, you know, I think shingles was one of the early ones because it was going to be a, a cream versus uh, a pill or injection, you know, but they were working on some of these other ones and they were all in the pipeline. Of course, you know how it is with the FDA. It, it takes years to develop these drugs and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm sure. And so, you know, part of it you could say is funding. It's probably more likely that a lot of investors were buying it, hoping that along the way it'd get bought up by Merck or by whatever some of these other big pharmaceuticals are. Well, anyways, you know, all this coronavirus stuff is coming up. And finally, after many, many years, it took off a couple, couple, you know, a week or two ago. And I, I don't regret, obviously, selling it because it was... It would have been worthless for a long time there. But but finally going up on hope of that they can create some sort of a cure to some sort of treatment to coronavirus. And who knows, maybe they will. If they do, I mean, it's 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 going to be groundbreaking because they'll be pioneering the use of nanotechnology for a whole ton of of viruses. But, but anyways, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's... And they're not the only pharmaceutical or biotech company that went up on, on this, you know. Uh, so we'll see, you know, but as of right now, any cure, any treatment is still a long ways away other than using drugs that are already on the market and, and they're labeled to, to be used for other illnesses and whatnot. I mean, but, but anyways, we'll see where this goes. I mean, uh, this is Friday. I'm recording this. I mean, by the time I, I come back, I usually don't record on weekends. I mean, I, I record beforehand and publish them on weekends, By the time I come back Monday, I fully expect 15, 16 plus thousand cases, right? If, if this continues to follow kind of this exponential growth pattern, could be more than that. Um, but, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, as always, though, thanks for tuning in. I know, coronavirus central, but, but it is what it is. I mean, it, it, again, it interests me. 
Hope it's interesting to you guys. This could be the black swan. And not to mention the biggest pandemic we've had in 100 years. Uh, but it's also hugely important to to the markets and, and all that. It's really driving the narrative. A big part of what's driving the narrative right now. So I find it hard not to talk about it. But anyways, as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast. And God bless.